Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. And to this day, I'm just like, man, I went into all those other interviews, into all those different spaces, just trying to act like I belonged. And I guess what no one really tells us is that your story, like who you are, is your uniqueness, is your asset, is your strength. And I just went in there and I was just me and they love me and I'm still there. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that was my pivotal moment. I just left and I just followed my passion and purpose. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business, so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. 
So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Odalis, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. I am so excited to be here. Just all the vibes. I already feel it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Let's start off with you introducing yourself to the audience. What's up, y'all? It's Odalis Jasmine. I just feel like I just did a little podcast intro. I'm a podcaster. I'm the host and creator of Hello Latino podcast or Hello Latina. And this platform is really all about highlighting first generation and or immigrant voices and really elevating our community and representing the diversity in our experience. So I love highlighting that story of just navigating identity, career, love, finances, the todo in a country that we are the first to really kind of navigate, right? So it's a different experience. I love highlighting that that piece of it. And that's what my whole platform is really all about. I love that. The first-gen experience is definitely a unique one. And so I'm so glad that you're bringing that to light because I don't think a lot of folks, unless you you know personally have experienced what it is to be a first-gen kid where you're kind of living in two worlds at the same time and trying to navigate mm-hmm. those in parallel, it can be a very confusing, stressful experience. And so I'm curious what your personal experience is with the first gen struggle, if you will, and what inspired you about that to now create this platform where you can elevate these conversations. Oh, girl, do we have enough time for this? Um, (laughs) (laughs) This might be a whole other podcast. (laughs) Girl, I'm saying, I think, man, so much of my experience was so first gen, but I never had the vocabulary to do that, to name it, right? I just was living this life of being caught between my Honduran culture and being in a big Honduran family, o sea, baleadas y punta, merengue, like playing every day to being in a place in San Diego where I was surrounded by Mexican culture. So I feel like my first gen experience is very different because I grew up where my little community was all Honduran, all Salvadorian, all like Puerto Rican. Like I grew up in a little mini, like diverse community of Latinos, but San Diego, for those who know it is heavy in Mexican American culture. So I was just navigating this world where I already felt different in the Latino community because I didn't say tu, I said vos, or I had a different accent, right? Or puta doesn't mean anything bad to me. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a very, it was very different. And I felt like that was my experience within the Latino community. And then going to, I'll get into my story later, but going into high school and then college, feeling this other layer of otherness because I was now a Latina navigating this space where my parents can't help me. I don't have anyone else to lean on. I was constantly looking for mentors and opportunities and trying to hustle in a system that wasn't taught to me. So I was like both hustling and learning all together, which I still am. And I mean, that's been my experience and it felt really lonely. And so I created my platform because I realized I wasn't the only one. And I'm like, how many people are dealing with this feeling of pressure, guilt, loneliness? And how can I create somewhat of a, almost like a roadmap for people who are struggling or still facing these barriers, stereotypes, or are just lost, you know? So 
that's really what I based it off of. Absolutely. So where did you grow up before you ended up in San Diego? So San Diego, I was born and raised in Southeast, so the hood. Grew up there my whole life until 2008, where I talk about this story a lot, and this is kind of my my money story. <laughs> like growing up, it was very much a dinero en la caja fuerte, you know, like we had a little safe box and that's where you put all your money. And in 2008, when the recession hit, my family was one of the families affected by the recession. So we, for about six to, to eight months, we were living in our cars, the park, I mean, it was rough. It was a rough, rough time in our lives. And I feel like that was the moment I kind of grew up a little bit. And I realized this system is so not built for my community. It's so not built for my people. And that was just a really eye-opening moment that for me just kind of made me go on this like hunt of like, I'm never going to feel that again. Like I'm never going to go through that again. And that to me is so much of my relationship with money and it defined my relationship with money for a really long time. And that's still a relationship that I've worked so hard to heal because we had no trust in this system. And so a lot of it was like keeping it so tight to you so that no one can take it away. And girl, I'm working a corporate job and I have a side hustle and I still feel like as Mio, you know, I think a lot of people that listen to this podcast can absolutely relate, not only with the feeling of trying to break that generational trauma around money and security and what finances represent, but also this feeling of otherness, especially when we move into spaces that we have not personally seen ourselves represented in, like you mentioned, with college, with going off to corporate. I know I definitely had that experience personally growing up in a very diverse town to then go to college and feel like, why is everybody smarter than me? Why do people know calculus and I don't? Why do people take physics in school and I didn't? And it really makes you feel like an imposter, like, why am I even here? And those feelings didn't go away from once I got to corporate. It was just more reinforcement of like, do I really belong here? So I'm curious what your experience was with those types of settings. I feel like my whole story, my whole career is rooted in being that Latina girl from the hood surrounded by really smart and creative people who were hustlers, you know? And I feel like it's so funny thinking about myself in these spaces because I think I spent so much of my time trying to fit in that I like felt like I was already behind. For example, I remember one of my first internships or jobs, can't remember, but it was my first time in a workplace setting with a lot of people who did not look like me. And your girl is from Southeast San Diego, so she got long nails. And I hear this conversation happening. This girl is talking smack about, oh, this cashier at the store, she had long ass nails. She couldn't even like press the keys. And I'm, girl, I'm listening to this conversation. I'm looking at my nails like, I just felt so hurt and I felt so like, do I need to cut my nails shorter to be in this space? Like, do they look down on us? Like, it was moments like that or being curvy, like felt like my curves were too curvy and for the workplace and I had to wear things that look different. Felt like I spent so much of my time just trying to fit into these spaces that I got to a point in my life where I'm like, man, fuck this. I'm just going to be myself and that's how I created the podcast. And I feel like that has led me into a whole different career journey, life journey that I still to this day say there's a life before the podcast and a life after because the minute I started to own my story, own where I come from and just wear the hoops proudly, the red lipstick proudly, I felt like 
life changed for me and my career changed. And now I'm in these spaces where I see more people like me and people want me because they think I'm an asset. And I'm like, man, I've been an asset, but I've been trying so hard to just fit in that I wasn't thinking of myself like that. But behind all the confidence, there is still a voice inside that tells me you don't belong. You still got a lot to learn or you got to work 10 times harder. It's a dichotomy that I'm still navigating. Yeah. And I don't think it'll ever fully go away. I think we just learn to recognize it. We almost learn to see that voice as like a different entity that's not necessarily part of you, but it's something that you experience, right? It's like a third party that lives rent-free in your brain. (laughs) Sometimes it needs to stop. And you know, I learned how to talk to it too. I felt like I've learned how to make it my best friend and like I think there's a side of it that just tries to protect us, right? Just tries to protect us from the world. And I feel like it's a learned thing that we get from our parents. I wasn't allowed. I mean, I think we all have a similar story. We weren't allowed to do sleepovers, weren't allowed to leave the house. It was very much, girl, I could ask my parents, but it's going to be a no. I already know. But I think it was so much of them protecting us from a world that they didn't know. And I feel like that's what our third party voice is telling us is like, you don't belong here. Like it just feels scary to step out into that discomfort. And I feel like I've learned to like listen, acknowledge and be like, I hear you, but I got this and I'm going to move forward. Absolutely. I'm curious if there was a pivotal moment for you or a catalyst where you were just like, you got sick of your own shit of trying to conform. Because I know for me, it was realizing that I was doing all the things that I had been told to do by my corporate job by my boss and still realizing that they were continuing to come up with reasons why I a wasn't ready for a promotion or I didn't deserve a raise or whatever. And it's just like, yo, at some point, am I going to keep allowing these people to have control over what my life looks like? Or am I going to take control for myself? Yes. (laughs) My moment was feeling like I owed somebody something because they gave me an opportunity. And again, you hear this narrative often like, work harder and then you'll get that promotion, work harder and then you'll get that salary, just work harder. And I felt like that's what I was doing. I just was, you know, I was known as the girl that put her head down and she was just like overwork herself every day to just make it quote unquote, whatever that means. Right. And I felt like at the time, the pivotal moment for me was leaving my job without a job lined up after. And girl, that was months in the making of decision-making. It was like a mix of guilt, like, oh, no quiero ser malagradecida. You know, my parents would kill for a job like this. And then another side of it was like, no, you deserve to be happy and you're not happy here. And, you know, it was this like constant dialogue for months. And I finally made the decision that if I'm working in a job that is not bringing me happiness or fulfillment, what did my parents sacrifice everything for? I'm doing the same thing that they did when they moved to this country. I'm in survival mode and like they worked harder for me to be here. You know what I mean? And I think the pivotal moment for me was during the pandemic, I moved back home. I was like paying Bay Area rent and I was like, hell no, I'm going to move back home. And I was in this job that just didn't feel right. And I was like, man, I'm not happy. I'm overworking myself. I felt like I owed my boss everything because she gave me that career like jump, right? It was this dialogue that I was having with myself of, should I leave? Should I not? Should I leave? Should I not? And I finally just left. Girl, that was the scariest moment of my life because I didn't have anything lined up. I said no to salary, benefits, everything that you think you work so damn hard for. 
right? And that our parents tell us is why we should be pursuing, quote unquote, the American dream. Right. It equals success, right? Like my family thought I was a successful one because I had that job and I left, had nothing lined up, but I had a passion. I had my podcast and I'm like, I'm going to just keep following this. And it wasn't easy. I mean, eight months of literally so many rejections, unpaid speaking engagements, like it was a hard eight months. And to do it in front of my parents and family at the time was even harder because I felt a shame and guilt tied to it. And then I remember getting a job interview at LinkedIn, which is where I work now. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to just go in there. I'm going to be myself. I'm going to talk about who I am. And if they don't like me, they don't like me. And if they do, they do. And girl, I walked in there and I just spoke from the heart, just spoke about what I do and why I'm an asset, right? And they told me, they hired me so quickly and they knew I was it because I spoke from a place of passion. And they were like, that's what we were looking for. And to this day, I'm just like, man, I went into all those other interviews, into all those different spaces, just trying to act like I belonged. And I guess what no one really tells us is that your story, like who you are, is your uniqueness, is your asset, is your strength. And I just went in there and I was just me and they love me and I'm still there. (laughs) You know what I mean? So that was my pivotal moment. I just left and I just followed my passion and purpose. That's incredible. So what were you doing before you made this career transition? I was working for a small business that was focused on elevating my role. I kind of created it was more so elevating first generation underrepresented talent and connecting them to opportunities. So we were a staffing agency. I worked in their creative space. So creative communications, creative marketing, a lot of content, a lot of social media marketing, all of those things, small business. So I was wearing hella hats and I loved it for a long time. But the role that I created for myself was reaching out to Christian immigrant communities, Black and Latino communities to try to bring them into these Fortune 500 contracts that we had. And that's the role that I loved. Like my creative side, I'm like, this is cool. But like, I loved the impact that I was making in these students' lives. And they were just like blown away by the types of opportunities and the ways that they can make six figures by just doing what they already know how to do. It's just a way about talking about it in the right way. That sounds corporate, you know? And so I coached them on like how to tell their story and how to use their background as leverage for an opportunity. And then the pandemic hit and all of that was stripped away because I was no longer going on campus talking to students. I was no longer meeting them one-on-one for coffee. I was now just doing the work that was my actual role. And I'm like, oh, I don't really like this. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I love creating content, the creative side for my own stuff, for like Hello Latino, for the businesses that I have. But doing it for a corporate company was just not it for me. And I decided to leave. And now in my role, I work for their emerging talent space, which is directly with HBCU, HSIs, Latino, underrepresented talent. And I connect them to opportunities. So I get to do more of what I love to do. But I would have never known that if I didn't leave my role. And I was real intentional about where do I want to go next? And what's worth stressing me out, you know, in the mornings? And like, what's the work that I want to do every day? And what's the work that I want to wake up to? Instead of, I have to do this again, but maybe this weekend I'll get to like hang out with a student and talk to them one-on-one about blah, blah, blah. It wasn't worth it for me. 
I think there's a powerful message there where we have to be the ones that give ourselves permission to not fear the unknown, right? Because you could have easily just been like, well, I have the safety, I have the security, I have the known protection of this existing job, even though it's making me unhappy. And I don't know what is out there. I don't know what is waiting for me, but I'm willing to feel those feelings of fear and doubt and imposter syndrome and all these things, knowing that there has to be something better. So what would you say to folks who are in that struggle right now that they're just like, yo, I know some shit needs to change, but I am so scared to A, admit that to myself and then B, take action to change what needs to be changed. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. I channeled in those moments where I was questioning my decision. I feel like I channeled my parents' story. And I think so much of their story is like, oh, well, like, don't take things for granted, right? That's how we internalize it. But I started to see their story. I'm like, this is generational power. My parents came here not knowing anyone, not knowing the language. Like it was the unknown for them. And they still built a life here. And so I felt like in that moment when I was telling my parents, me leaving my job, which is a whole different story. I remember telling them like, y'all did this and y'all were good. Like y'all hustle so that y'all can be good. Like y'all have to trust that I'm going to be okay too. Like Y'all gave me the power, the tools to do this, to step out of that unknown. And like, I just feel 
just channel your ancestral power in those moments where you feel like you don't know what's going to happen next and believe so hard in what you have and what you bring to the table and just keep following that. That's what I tell myself. I'm like, in any moment where I feel doubt, where I feel like I don't belong in that space, I tell myself, like, keep following you because that's never done you wrong, you know? So that's what I would say to anyone listening. (laughs) I think that's such a powerful message, right? Like, it's, I've always told myself, it's my duty to strive for more than survival because that's what was required of so many people who came before me. It's a disservice to all of the sacrifices that your parents and your lineage has made for you to be here if you don't pursue like what your life's purpose is, if you don't go beyond the struggle, if you just settle for the bare minimum. I think we have to honor the sacrifice with living our best lives. Girl, yes, yes. And you know, when I told my parents that I was leaving my job, this is after like four months of me thinking about my decision. After sitting them down, again, I was living with them. So I sat them down. And I'm like, so your girl's going to leave. And I just heard whatever you think your parents are going to tell you in that moment. Like, estás loca. ¿Cómo que te vas a ir? Vaya si el otro. And being protective. And I'm just listening to them. And in that moment, I, I'm so glad I waited those months to tell them because I had so much conviction in my decision to leave that I'm like, I'm unshakable right now. I'm like, I hear you. Like, I hear you, but I'm going to be okay. And a week later, a conversation with my dad changed the way I thought about that situation. And this story I'm telling you now about that immigration story, they gave me those tools. But my dad told me, like, you know, sabes que, mija, yo trabajé con mis manos para que vos trabajé con tu mente, you know, which means I worked with my hands so that you can work with your mind. And he told me, like, if you believe in yourself and what you're going to do when getting into that next career step in your life, like, we trust you and we're here. And I think that moment really shifted everything for me because I had my dad's support and his, and not that I was seeking it, but it's nice when you have it. <laughs> and just to hear him say, like, I worked so hard, laborious jobs, right? He was a handyman, construction worker, still is. And he worked so much of his life in these jobs that was available to him that he didn't have an opportunity to choose what brought him fulfillment and what brought him happiness. He just chose what, again, was available to him. And the fact that I'm in a place of privilege where I get to choose what brings me happiness and what brings me fulfillment, I'm like, this is what they work so damn hard for, is for us to have that option and that opportunity And so I can't go wrong if I just choose that path. And my parents are my motivation. They're my why of why I do everything that I do. So I think that conversation just changed the game for me. And I think, again, channeling that ancestral power, doing our parents a service by following our dreams, following our path. Like at the end of the day, that to me is the American dream. (laughs) Oh, gosh, I have chills. It is so damn true. And I know so many folks are going to feel inspired by this conversation, because I think a lot of us are struggling with that. Do we do the safe thing? Because that's what we've been told to do. Or do we do the scary thing that's going to really take us to the next level? Now, I want to talk about your financial journey, too, because I think a lot of people would be intimidated or scared to tell an employer about like what they're doing creatively on the side. You have a project, you have a podcast. I think a lot of folks feel like they have to keep those things separate, but you were upfront about it, right? So 
How do you think that this was something that you were able to use to your advantage to now pursue your career in a different way? I'm not going to lie. I mean, it was, again, eight months of me looking for a job, which meant, I didn't say this earlier, but it was 30 different interviews at 13 different companies that I had during that time period. And there were so many times where I would talk about my podcast and I could see in the interviewer's eyes, like they were just like, not about it. Like I just knew from the vibe, the energy. And in my head, it was really hard because you see the savings going down while you're pursuing your entrepreneurial projects and you don't have a job. And in those moments of like, I'm trying to get this job and that person's just not feeling me, like it's hard to not want to conform to what they would want to hear. Again, I'm like trying to stay true to myself and I'm like, I can't do that to myself. So I talked about my podcast and sometimes that would lead to a no, like, no, which is not relevant experience, whatever. And again, eight months of this, of the constant no's, rejections, it's hard to not feel like you're not good enough or like your podcast is not good enough to talk about in those spaces. But I kept doing it anyway, as intimidating as it was. I'm like, I just can't. I can't conform. I can't conform. And I feel like going into that space in that interview with LinkedIn, I talked heavy about my podcast. You know, what was so dope is that the guy that I was interviewing with had his own podcast too. And the conversation, the interview turned into, tell me about your story, tell me about your skill set to like, he was like, this is how I balance my entrepreneur side and then my corporate side. And we just had a whole conversation about that for 30 minutes. And I was like, this school is dope. We're still homies now. And the other conversations that followed were more of the same. And being in the space that I'm in now, like, I just feel so lucky, not that I'm drinking the LinkedIn Kool-Aid, but I feel so lucky that I'm in a space with multiple people around me who are also entrepreneurs outside of LinkedIn. And I mean, three of my coworkers have their own wedding planning business slash event planning business. One has a podcast, like apparel line, and like so many people around me have their own businesses. And there's so many points where we talk about our wins, like, oh, LinkedIn wins, blah, blah, blah. But my podcast wins or my business wins are X, Y, Z. And we have those conversations as a team, which I think is so weird and like not what I thought corporate or tech would look like. But I'm super open about who I am and where I come from. I mean, LinkedIn on the platform itself, I'm a creator. So I talk about my podcast. I talk about my first-gen experiences and my coworkers see it. So I think it's just fire. It's a fire company. It's a fire team. And what I've done now is I have my nine to five, but I have my my side hustle and both are respected. And some days, I mean, this is a whole different conversation, but some days I'm like, LinkedIn's going to get a little more love and attention from me. And some days, Hello Latina is going to get a little more love and attention from me. And even balancing that because I take care of my parents financially, not completely I will one day, but I take care of their some of their bills here and there. And I know that's something that I have to think about when I think about my finances. So I balance both, but I've been able to monetize my podcast since I've started at LinkedIn, which has just been a whole different journey in my entrepreneurial side that I'm like trying to help other podcasters in the community reach those goals too, because at the end of the day, we need our money too. <laughs> 
Facts, okay? And especially somebody like you that's living in a very high cost of living area. Most there. expensive place <laughs> to live, officially. <laughs> yes, the expensive place to live. And also, I think a lot of first gens can relate with this idea that we are going to be somewhat financially responsible for family at some point in our lives. And I think that adds to another level of pressure. So the fact that you are unapologetically protecting your financial situation by having those multiple income streams and the fact that you get to show up authentically both in work and for yourself as a business owner, I think it's powerful. So I think it's a great reminder that like the places that are meant for you to thrive, they won't make it hard. If it feels hard for you to be fully yourself, that ain't the place for you. And I tell everyone now, go into those interviews a hundred, a thousand percent you, because if they don't want you, if they don't want you at your, at your fullest self, then you don't want to work there anyway. Like they don't deserve you. And that's hard because, again, in those moments, you're like, I just need a freaking paycheck at this point. But if you keep staying consistently true to yourself, consistently yourself in any space, things can change. It could change the game for you, which, again, it took me eight months, but who cares? I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Eight months is not a long time in the grand scheme of things. So, y'all, let's put in the work so that we can be on the other side living your best life. All right. So let's talk about your journey from, cause you mentioned like you didn't know anything about money when growing up. You grew up very modest and now you're in a place where like you are financially literate, where you are a business owner, where you are pursuing your career. Talk us through kind of how you manifested that. Like what was your process for learning how to navigate money as a first gen person? Mm, that's a whole journey and I'm still navigating it. I think for me, I was really big on asking for help. And I think that's something that, interestingly enough, was not something I liked to do growing up. I liked to figure it out on my own, right? Like mommy and papi were so tired. They were working all day. My siblings got their own life. I was the youngest of seven. So I just felt like I had so many resources, but I knew they were busy. So I didn't want to tap them. And I was like, I'll just figure it out. I'll just figure it out. Yeah, I don't think our parents do a great job of like modeling asking for help either. They're like hyper independent because they typically don't have those support systems in place to help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And absolutely. And that's why so much of my experience growing up with money was again, in the little safe box, that's where you put the money to this day. And looking back now, I don't blame my family for that. This society was just not built for them and they knew that. And how can you trust a system that continuously sets you up for failure. And so for me, I understood how they navigated money and money conversations. I mean, it wasn't talked about in the house. I never even knew my family was struggling. And then we lost our home and I was like, what the fuck? Like there's so much of my childhood where money just wasn't talked about. Like the only time I would see money was when you know, my neighbor down the street would come over and say, oh, this money's for your mom. And I'd be like, okay, mommy, aquí está el dinero. You know, like that would be my only time seeing money or when my mom opened the safe box. And I feel like it wasn't until 2008 when we were living in our cars and it was a really confusing time for me. I was 12 years old. Like I was so young and in such a transformative time in my life And I remember just being in the car, laying down, ready to go to sleep. And I'm just like, what is going on? Right? Like my parents still weren't talking. No one was talking about the situation we were in. And if they did, I just wasn't part of it. And even after the fact, when it happened, I mean, none of my family members talked about homelessness. Like it was not a 
oh, let's have a debrief and like an open discussion about what just happened. Like it was like, okay, we're moving on. Like it never happened, which causes own other trauma. But I think for me, it was after that moment at freaking 12 years old where I'm like, I need to learn why in the hell we're in this situation and how I can avoid every possible scenario for me to be in this situation again. And I think I went through that in college, working three jobs, trying to pay for school. Again, I didn't have scholarships, grants. My parents couldn't pay. I had FAFSA, shout out. But it was really me paying for school. And it was after school where I had a breakdown, like almost that post-grad depression stage where I didn't have a job lined up that was making me a lot of money. I was making 30K, which I thought was a lot. And then I was living in the Bay Area and I'm like, okay, this is nothing. <laughs> like I'm getting nothing. And I was couch surfing in that moment. And it was such a trauma-filled experience because I felt like I was back in that place, 12 years old, sleeping in my car. And it was a moment for me where I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, what am I doing what did I spend so much money in school for? Like, was this it? Like, it was a big depression stage in my life and money was at the root of it. I remember I left my job and this is like how universe God works. Like I left my job. I was working in San Francisco, left my job and on the way down. So I was living in San Jose, commuting to San Francisco, which is an hour train ride. So coming back from San Francisco, there's a city called Redwood City. That's one of the stops on on Caltrain. And I get a call from my homegirl. And she's like, yo, there's a networking event happening. You should slide. It's like on the way down from San Francisco. And I'm like, okay, let's go. So I stopped on Redwood City. And I go to this networking event. And I met this woman who had seen me in school. She was a professor. She was a CEO of her own business. And we had a conversation. She's like, how's work going? And I'm like, oh, funny. I just left that job. <laughs> and I told her I'm looking for X, Y, Z. And I tell people now every single day, don't be afraid to tell people your dreams. So I told this woman my dreams, what I wanted to do. And she's like, well, you know what? I'm opening up a marketing role, but we can use your creativity to like build upon that role. And I got hired and I worked for her for three years, which is a job that I was doing. And it was such a dope experience for me that, again, I was just telling people my dreams and she was able to open a door that I didn't even know was a possibility. And I worked there for three years. And I think my money goal was really, how can I keep elevating? How can I keep growing? And from my first job to my second, I had a 50K increase <laughs> you know, of money. And then from this last job to now, I've had a 40 Okay, increase. So I feel like every goal was how can I make more doing what I love? And again, there's doors, windows, there's freaking little ventanitas that are out there that we just don't know about, but it's about telling people your dreams. And like every job I've gotten, every opportunity I've gotten has been through someone who knew me and someone who was able to open that little ventanita. Yeah. Speak what you want into existence. <laughs> Girl, I'm saying yes. <laughs> I love it. And I think your story is so inspirational, Odali. So for folks who want to find out more about you, your podcast, your work with LinkedIn, where can we find you? 
Girl, I can go on and name all my social handles, but I'll just say odalisjasmine.com is my website and I have everything on there from my podcast to how to connect with me, how to reach me. And it also tells you a little bit about my story and my podcast and what I'm all about. Thank you so much for the work that you do for elevating the conversation around the first-gen experience. I think this is such an important part of how we begin to remove those feelings of otherness because we belong here and we damn sure deserve more than the bare minimum. And so platforms like yours are absolutely giving us permission to dream big. Mm, yes, ma'am. That's what I manifest for our community every single day is for us to dream big and bigger and bigger and have all the dreams that our parents couldn't do and couldn't fulfill and take it and keep elevating it. So dream big. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Abrazos. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina, the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start. That's YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.